You're about to learn a lot more about the future technology coming from Ford. This is AutoLine. Well, it was a terrible week in Washington for the Detroit automakers who pretty much came up empty-handed in their quest to get the government to give them enough money to survive. One of the criticisms leveled at the big three is that they lag behind in technology. I don't believe that for a second. And to help argue that case, my guest on today's show is Gerhard Schmidt, the chief technology officer for the Ford Motor Company, who's the vice president in charge of all research and development, as well as advanced engineering. Before coming to Ford about six years ago, Mr. Schmidt spent his entire career at BMW, which gives him impeccable credentials. Joining me on my journalist panel today are Chubba Chetta, the editor of Car and Driver magazine, and Tom Murphy from wardsauto.com. We'll be talking about all kinds of upcoming technology in today's show, so don't go away. We'll be back right after this. Visit our website for even more great content all week long. AutoLine Extra, John's Journal, podcasts, and even more. So click over and get the inside view at AutoLineDetroit.tv. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to our discussion today with Gerhard Schmidt, the Chief Technology Officer at the Ford Motor Company, ahead of all research and advanced uh, engineering. Great to have you here on the set of AutoLine, Gerhard. Thanks for inviting me. And we also have Tom Murphy from Wards, wardsauto.com, if you want to look yep. it up online, and Chubba Chutta, the editor of Car and Driver. Great to have you guys here, too, as well. Thank you. Tom, you got the floor. Open Great. it up. Um, Gerhard, I'd like to ask about the, the uh, EcoBoost engine program. Uh, it sounds like a fascinating program, uh, direct injection, um, turbocharged V6 engine, 340, 350 horsepower. Sounds like a great engine for a rear drive car, but for the time being, it sounds like it's slated only for front drive cars, the Flex and I think the Lincoln MKS. Can you give us you know, any indication that maybe we could see it in a, in a rear drive car anytime in the future? Okay, it's a little about uh future product plans. At first, this technology is independent if it's all-wheel drive, front-wheel drive, or rear-wheel drive, right? It's a more packaging question. Therefore, you can be sure that you will see uh, the already planned V6 engine, but also other engine which uh, shares the same technology in all different uh, vehicle applications, cars, trucks, uh, and sport utility vehicles, mm -hmm. independent of if it's front-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, or rear-wheel drive. Gerhard, what's your outlook for diesels in the American market? I mean, you know, we have these incredibly stringent emission standards. BMW just announced that they're going to charge $5,000 for their diesel. Uh, on top of that, you've got this urea that costs $10 a gallon to try to make it clean. And on top of that, in this country, at least at this snapshot in time, diesel fuel is 50% higher than gasoline. It, does diesel have a chance in America? Yeah, for the ones who know me, know that I um, always really was supporting uh, introduction of diesel engine-powered cars uh, to the North American market. But you're absolutely right, there are some obstacles which are uh, significant higher than in Europe. Uh, you mentioned the uh, uh, emission regulations, which are uh, significant tougher. You, uh, you mentioned that the uh, diesel uh, uh, fuel price is more expensive in North America. Uh, diesel more expensive than gasoline, and, and then for sure you have a different level of 
uh, energy cost in Europe and in North America. Therefore, the starting point is, is really significant different. Therefore, uh, talking about um, our position now, how we, we behave uh, as a company regarding diesel, we will continue to deliver diesel in, in, the, in, the, truck, in the truck arena and maybe in the, in the heavy sport utility uh, area. We are, will be not, uh, um, let's say, the pioneers in the light duty sector. We will carefully observe uh, what our friends from our industry are doing. We, we are well prepared, uh, very fast to react because we have an excellent lineup in, in Europe. We have uh, a small engine, four cylinder engine, different sizes, starting with 1.4 liter displacement and up to 4.4 liter uh, V8, uh, which are in, in, in products from Jaguar Land Rover. Therefore, we have the technology. We have also, to be honest, uh, a, a little proud because we have really uh, talented people in after treatment. Therefore, we have also technical solutions to address these tier 2 bin 5 and uh, tier 2 bin 2 regulations. I think I'm confident if we are asked to do it, we can do it. It will be not, not necessarily cheap. Therefore, coming back to the first question, EcoBoost is a really good value for money. Uh, and this is a clear competition between gasoline and diesel. Well, going back to EcoBoost, uh, it seems the initial applications are these EcoBoost V6s, which replace V8s. But given that we're all concerned about fuel economy, and even though gasoline prices have gotten a little lower lately, people think they're going to get more expensive. Shouldn't you be doing four-cylinder EcoBoost to replace V6s? Isn't that an area where there's bigger demand than for the bigger ones? I, I think you, you hit the, the nail on the head. This is exactly what we have to do and actually what we're doing, right? In, in, in the development, we are, we are ready to uh, deliver this technology in all our engines and maybe even in an engine which is below the today's engine range. Therefore, yes, you're right, we can do a so-called Sigma engine, which we have in our European products as a GTDI EcoBoost. And we, for sure, it will be not a big surprise that you will see also such engines uh, capable to replace a V6. And, but, and this is a great, uh, great value. But those are coming a little later than the V6 EcoBoost engines? Yeah, right. Could you give a time frame for a four-cylinder? Uh, I am really would love to do it, right? But uh, <laughs> this is exactly what we normally not do. We want to make a big bang for uh, announcement and, and surprise our customers and surprise you from, from, from the press. Uh, we're normally not so excited about making a pre-announcement about this thing. Well, what about the other technology? Uh, that sort of combines uh, gasoline and diesel, the HCCI. Uh, uh, I did a column on what you guys were doing on HCCI a couple of years ago. I'm sure you're quite far ahead from where you were then, but how close is HCCI to production? Because it would seem like the perfect technology for today. It's still the dream of a combustion engineer to combine the two combustion processes, gasoline and diesel process, and HCCI is coming close. It's not, not exactly close. Um, I think we, we're still developing it. It's, it's a, a more complex technology because you have these different modes. Uh, until now, you only can use it in, in a lower speed and uh, load range. And what, therefore, what, what's holding you back? What specifically are you really working on to bring HCCI to market? Yeah, it, it's, it's the complexity of the different uh, uh, operational modes. Uh, you, you have to be able to, to tr because you don't drive constant speed and uh, constant engine, constant load in a normally driving operation. Therefore, you have to handle this complexity of moving between self-ignition and, and uh, using the Is it just electronic rate. controls, algorithms, and it's, all it's that? controls, but also the attributes afterwards. There will be some potential different NVH behavior. And, and I think we have some competing technologies, because if you look at a, 
a gasoline turbo direct injection engine and you make some partial stratification, at least maybe at, a, at, at idle or at part load, then you're pretty close to a, a HECI engine. And then you really have to look at what the benefits are comparing these two technologies. Benefit from HECI is maybe a little cheap and after treatment. A benefit of a GTDI with some stratification, we see some concept already out at the market is uh, that you don't have to change too much in your valve, how you operate your valve train. Because okay, you now, now explain for me the English major. What do you mean stratification at idle? Uh, stratification means uh, um, hom at first you have normally a homogeneous mixture between air and fuel. Right? And in this case, when you talk about stratified, that means uh, you use a direct injection at a certain timing, that you have uh, some areas in the combustion chamber which are only air and other areas who have a, a rich uh, mixture with, with a high amount of, of, of fuel. And this allows you to run overall with very lean mixture uh, because it's a point where the ignition takes place. Uh, you have uh, um, ignitable uh, uh, com composition and uh, in some areas you have very lean. Therefore, this offers you additional fuel economy benefits in certain operation modes. And therefore, it's a, it's a, it's a realistic a competition to HCCI processes, and they are blended partially. If, if one of the issues with HCCI is getting the engine to operate in the HCCI mode yeah. for a sufficient part of the cycle that it's really useful, mm -hmm. can you help that by combining it with a hybrid where you can maybe you know, mix and match the load to keep mm -hmm. the gasoline engine in HCCI as much as possible yeah. and use the electric motor to help it out when necessary? Is that feasible or does that raise the cost too high? No, I think it's a very credible approach, especially when you come to uh, hybrid systems which decouple more and more the combustion engine uh, operation from from driving situations, then you have some total new degrees of freedom how you operate your engine, especially when you go from today's uh, a power uh, split or, or a parallel hybrid to a series hybrid, then you have even more uh, degrees of freedom to optimize the engine, right? And you will, you will see in the future some, some examples in our industry and also from our side to even more optimize the combustion engine for optimal use with a, with a hybrid powertrain. Can you say anything about how Ford's engineering operations have been affected by the financial problems of the company? You know, um, do you have less money to be moving forward with, with certain advanced research projects? And uh, you know, has it, clearly you have fewer engineers on staff. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean in terms of you know, your um, ability to move forward with certain things that you'd love to have in production in the next couple of years, but are just going to have to wait. I wouldn't be a good uh, um, VP for R&A whether they have enough resources, right? You, you never have enough resources. Uh, and and uh, therefore, it's painful in times where you have to, to concentrate on, on, on the key essential things and you have to uh, accept some, some reduction in, in budgets or headcount. For sure, this is painful. But it also gives you opportunity really to to structure your portfolio and say what is really key for the business and what is more nice to do, but not necessarily very important in the short term. Therefore, I think it's, it's strengthening uh, uh, your focus on, on the key important things and that's exactly what we have to do. Because at the end, we also have to, to uh, contribute with our fair share in, 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 a, in a difficult time for our industry. In the uh, last few years, uh, 
Ford put some CVT transmissions into uh, production, mm -hmm. and you were reasonably successful with them, uh, unlike General Motors was, but they seem to be gone now, and you've replaced them with six-speed automatics. Yet some other car makers, primarily Nissan, is, is proceeding with the CVTs. Mm -hmm. Why have you gotten rid of the CVTs at Ford? Is it cost reasons? Is the efficiency not there? Is there something else uh, wrong with that type of uh, concept? Um, I think at the end we're always driven from some uh, engineering metrics which is, uh, is called um, dollar spent per percent fuel economy improvement, right? When we look at, this is mainly a fuel economy improvement. Man. And actually we have some really good competing technology. One is for sure uh, increasing from a four-speed automatic transmission to a five-speed, now going to a six-speed. Then you, see, you will see that the part of uh, the, the advantage which appeared to be there vanished. And um, for sure, everyone knows that the CVT is overall from the mechanical efficiency not really good. It's mainly taking advantage of shifting a little around in the engine map and going to, to areas in the engine map where, where you're more fuel efficient. And uh, some of the new combustion processes, engines like, like also the GTDI, taking already advantage of it. Therefore, you cannot take uh, a benefit out of the same physical area uh, with, with different measures, right? If, if you're more efficient, uh, assume uh, there's an engine with 100% fuel efficiency in the whole map, why, why you should have a CVT running around in your map because there's no benefit. Yeah. Therefore, there's an easy way to explain it. I, I'm more a friend of, of um, transmissions which are by itself from the mechanical efficiency really efficient and the, the future uh, power shift transmissions uh, basically mechanical uh, uh, mechanical uh, you mean the twin clutch uh, twin clutch technology has a really promising future and we, we have already a first uh, introduction of a, a six-speed transmission in europe and and i expect also that this uh, technology will will spread out uh, in the years to come here uh, to other markets do you think it will uh, it can replace a conventional automatic transmission there will be a, a nice competition between the two I, I even on a mainstream car even on a mainstream car huh. okay you know what what i, I want to intended to say it's the beginning i have uh, I'm, a, I'm a careful listener to uh, john to your a show and I looked, I looked at them three months ago, six months, 12 months ago, and I said, I go, many of the states aren't made here in this, on this table, we're not right anymore today. Therefore, I'm really careful making predictions <laughs> <laughs> what will happen in the future. But you can count on me that this technology will spread out also mainstream products for North America. Okay, then here's one looking out to the future. What is Ford's view on plug-in hybrids? Some companies like General Motors and Toyota seem to be really pushing fast and forward on it. Others, like Honda says, they, they don't believe in plug-in hybrids. Where does Ford fall in this discussion? Uh, uh, so the bad thing is both are right. <laughs> <laughs> because, because we have so many uncertainties. Uh, the first uncertainty for sure is um, the battery by itself, the battery cost, uh, uh, and, and the battery lifetime and some of the attributes. Assuming that everything works fine, and this is uh, what the supporters of this technology claim, is a great idea. It's really a great idea because it makes its energy security and its fuel efficiency, right? And only the cost equation is still a little questionable. Therefore, I'm, I'm a great supporter and we, we have a great um, program running. We have a, a plug-in hybrid uh, based on our escape uh, already with uh, Southern California Edison. We have uh, a plan to build up, I don't know, up to 30 vehicles. Uh, we're working together uh, together with IPRI. So there's a, quite a significant program running already with, with Ford products. And based on the success of, of uh, better technology availability and cost, you will see 
at okay, least as many of these products from our company as from other companies. But listen, I've been listening to General Motors doing ads on television and radio yeah. for the Chevrolet Volt. I mean, I've never heard a car advertised so yeah. heavily that you cannot go out and buy. Mm -hmm. uh, Toyota keeps talking about their, their progress. The impression from that is that Ford's behind the times. Uh, how do you respond to criticisms like that? Oh, this hurts. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, I think we are really more, and coming back to the first question uh, about EcoBoost, um, we're looking for, at first, what is the value for money? This was a dollar per percent fuel economy improvement. And we're looking for how we can get the maximum uh, penetration in the marketplace. This is something what maybe also Henry Ford started with. He wasn't inventing the combustion engine, but he made the combustion engine available, uh, accessible for every customer. And I think this is what we're doing with, with EcoBoost. And when the time is right, you will see uh, many of these plug-in hybrids with a, with a blue oval in front of it. So I, I don't have any concern. And coming back to my statement, I want to be credible. You will see some plug-in hybrids coming from Ford in, in quite some time, and uh, they will be very competitive. Can you say when? Uh, this would be a good question. If you give me a, 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 a time when the battery cost per kilowatt hour goes down, let's say, to $200 per kilowatt hour, I say maybe in, in 2011, right? <laughs> if if they it's still 650 or $1,000, then I hesitate a little if we will find enough customers. Are you working with uh, domestic battery suppliers or uh, foreign battery suppliers? Does anyone seem to have an advantage here? Because that does seem to be the key to making mm -hmm. this work, getting a, a, a good cost-effective battery. Uh, it's not a big surprise. We, we're working with, with a handful uh, capable suppliers. These are uh, one or two um, companies in the United States, and these are uh, companies in, in Japan and, and Korea. And you have to do it because the technology is still not 100% mature, and you have to ensure that you're working with the right uh, with the right partners. And we're really um, um, very capable partners. In addition, I should mention we're working together with US Car, so it's a so-called US ABC uh, unit, uh, US Car, uh, ABC Advanced Battery Consortium. And we're working on the pre-competitive side, therefore Chrysler, uh, General Motors, and Ford at the same time working together with some of the suppliers to, to make this uh, pre-selection of, of technologies, chemistries, and this thing. Does it make any sense to do a plug-in with uh, nickel metal hydride batteries, or, or does it really have to be lithium ion? Uh, yeah, we have seen already some announcements using nickel metal hydride, but then you are limited on, on range. Uh, and, it's, it's a question of um, how much you can package. Uh, the advantage of lithium ion is that you are smaller and lighter, and, and you are able to package this the same space with the same weight, uh, more energy on board, which makes it more favorable uh, to use lithium ion. Sure, you can use nickel metal, and we have it in our... Actually, we are a mass producer. No one maybe knows it, but we are a mass producer of hybrids. And we have almost 100,000 vehicles already in the marketplace because we produce it more than four years with the best kept secret mm. that Ford Motor Company is, is the number one North American company delivering uh, hybrids. Well, speaking of those, uh, the new hybrid Escape is about to hit the market with the uh, two and a half liter four cylinder and a next generation. It's going into the Fusion as well. Um, and I gather, I haven't driven either of these vehicles yet, but I gather the fuel efficiency is higher than it was on the previous one. Where does that come from in a generation of hybrid? Where are the efficiencies come from that let you get uh, greater fuel efficiency? Uh, it, 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 on, on a really high level, the explanation is it's, it's sound engineering, right? When you start with your first generation, 
you you didn't uh, uh, making all the necessary optimization which which is necessary. It starts with uh, efficiency from the uh, power split transmission. It it continues with uh, with the voltage uh, uh, level and so how you can um, modulate or modify the voltage uh, you're using. And uh, it's it's optimization in in your driving pattern. You have a, a controls between. Uh, shifting it between the electric drive and, and the internal combustion drive and you have some for sure optimization opportunities when you do it and all these different things we, we brought together over the years and this is a benefit of, of starting early because we started four years ago and now we have the benefit of optimizing optimal and I think we will offer fuel economy which is better than a competitor in the same vehicle segment Another, it's quite impressive, right? That's what we hear, so yeah. uh, we'll be testing that. I'm looking forward. We just had the Escape Hybrid in our office for the awards 10 Best Engines program, mm. and we all evaluated it, and I was getting somewhere between 39 and 45 miles per gallon, which I thought was really good. for what? a What? Yeah, 39 what? 40, and 45. And this was a combined, you know, city, actually it was more city than highway, uh, so, you know, which is where you're going to see most of the gains. That's, that's close to a Prius, that's really, really, for I mean, a that's, much that's bigger vehicle. Wait a minute, I, I just drove a Mariner, and I got 29 and 30. Was it the all-new one? The, the, yeah. the whole new, the yeah, whole... the all-new one. That's why I'm reacting like well, I am I was, to the numbers that you got. I was astonished. You're going to have to treat, were, teach me how to drive, Tom. No, it was, it, <laughs> I mean, I was, yeah, I was, I was going kind of casually on it, but a number of people in my office were getting the same, and, you know, we that's don't. a spectacular number. It, anyway, so the question is, um, with those kind of numbers, it seems like you could be, um, very competitive with diesel in terms of, you know, like what the Jetta TDI would achieve in terms of its fuel mm -hmm. economy. So do you make it less likely that diesel could be viable in, in the United States if, you know, a vehicle like the Escape Hybrid in that size can achieve that kind of mileage? And we only have about a minute for your answer. It's first, thank you for, for uh, giving these great uh, fuel economy numbers, much more credible if I would, would have done it. <laughs> no, no, for sure, there is a, a true competition between the two uh, uh, powertrain options. And at the end, uh, it depends. I, I never would be in favor of one of the, or the other because it really depends on the, on the driving cycle. You have customers, I don't know if we have many customers going between Chicago and Detroit, then I think a diesel is a good choice because you have 100% constant speed almost. If you, if you are in a downtown area, I think a hybrid is, is an outstanding, outstanding great solution. And with that, we're going to have to wrap it up. Gerhard Schmidt, thanks so much for being here on the set of AutoLine. Tom and Chuba, thank you guys too. Actually, I'm going to let these canvas keep running. You can join us on the internet on our website. We're going to keep this going, but I will be back with some closing thoughts. I want to comment on the Big Threes and the UAW's testimony to the Senate this week. It was not good. They ducked tough questions, they mumbled, they stumbled, and they let the news media make a big deal that they flew in on separate corporate jets. And they presented their case as if it were a threat. You better give us this money or else. I think the country is now more against the Big Three than they were just a week ago. The CEOs and the president of the UAW have got to regroup and figure out how to sell their story because they sure did not get it done this week. Anyway, that's my opinion. Thanks for tuning in to AutoLine Detroit, where we give you a front row seat as to what's going on in the automotive industry.